1: Welcome back beautiful mamas. Can you imagine at 41 weeks pregnant, already overdue with your first baby, discovering a lump in your breast, mentioning it to your obstetrician in passing and suddenly finding yourself whipped through tests and tests and your husband pulled into the room and everyone looking very serious and to tell you that you have an aggressive form of breast cancer. Your baby must come out straight away and you need to start life-saving treatment immediately. Even just telling you that story now brings a lump to my throat. This is the story of Sally Obermeida. Many of you would know her. You would certainly know her work with Channel 7 she also has an amazing lifestyle website swish has green products cookbooks and her beautifully written and very powerful book on her journey through cancer is called never stop believing and that's why I wanted to speak to her yes she has survived cancer and now has two beautiful daughters but her belief in taking one step at a time and never stop believing is so inspiring for all of us. All of us, no matter what we're facing in our life. Because really, at the end of the day, all we have is this moment today. We don't know what's around the corner, but we can do our very best in this moment. It took us a while to organize this interview because Sally is so busy. And I grabbed her while she was on her way to work in TV but it is so full of so many beautiful insights. I know you're going to love it. This is the Happy Mama Movement with your host Amy Taylor kavaz author, Mama to Three, and editor of the Happy Mama magazine. In my mamahood journey, I have gone from an overachieving, addicted to busyness superwoman to finally slowing down, simplifying, and realising that being a mama is the greatest self development teacher in the world. And after more than 15 years covering breaking news, I've swapped current affairs to inspiration and now bring you the best I can find every week to help us feel more connected as women as we raise our families. Because when we come together, amazing things happen. So welcome to the movement. I have to say from the outset, I absolutely loved your book. I could not, oh, never stop believing. You. <laughs> I couldn't stop reading it and I couldn't stop thinking about it when I wasn't reading it, which in my mind is the sign of a great book. I couldn't oh. stop thinking about what it must have been like, what it was that you went through. It just was such an inspiring and empowering and in a way terrifying as well story. It was just a an amazing story story of resilience so for those who i mean most of my listeners will know the story of what you've been through but let's let's start back at the beginning you were very focused on a career in tv and had made your name and had been hugely successful in creating a life for yourself where did you think parenthood or motherhood fit in way back then
0: Uh. You know, it's funny I had been trying to have a baby so when I finally was pregnant with Annabelle it was um thanks to IVF but before that I had actually been trying to have a baby mouse was trying to be for about uh, maybe about five or six years and it hadn't worked and I went through a lot of stages in that period of um trying really desperately and being worried I was going to miss out of kind of being worried about how I would have a baby and have this this kind of TV career that I really wanted and how I would make it all work. And I remember my mom saying to me, like, it's too hard to know the answers before they happen. You just go ahead and have a baby and you'll somehow work out what the right thing is to do when that time comes. And so I kind of just went with that philosophy of, like, I have no idea how this is going to pan out, but I'll just keep going. But it actually took a long time to have a baby. And it was funny because eventually then when I was pregnant with Annabelle, I was so incredibly relieved, but I, the closer it came to kind of finishing, the more worried I think I became about coming back to work and when should I come back and when would be the right time and, and is it, and is it too far or too long or too, and I better not be gone, you know, too long or I might lose my job or, you know, just kind of, I think a lot of those things that you sort of worry about and then I got cancer so all of these things that i had been thinking like oh you know i should only maybe i should only take six months off i think that will probably be okay and then i think i could still have my job and then maybe i'll come you know like trying to sort of work out all these answers to all these things and then of course life has something totally different in store and then as it would be i didn't come back to work for a year and a half anyway so i I think it's um I, I really didn't know. I really didn't know. I had a lot of like, oh, you know, Marcus would say to me, I don't like, because at that stage I traveled a lot for work. He's like, how do you think you'll travel for work and have, and we'll have a young baby? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not sure. And maybe I can take the baby. And like, you know, just lots of, I think, kind of, when you have never had a baby, you have a lot of, I think, um, uh, sort of, you, you just you don't a you don't know how hard it's going to be you don't know how tiring it's going to be you don't know how much you're going to love that baby and how much you just basically never want to leave the house you just want to be snuggled up next to them all the time um, you know so there's a lot of that that you don't know and so in the end I remember just saying because I don't know what's going to happen we'll just we'll just wing it and work it out and, and then, the amazing you know,
1: thing yes and then the amazing thing about your story of motherhood is that literally past your due date 41 weeks pregnant you were diagnosed with this rare aggressive breast breast cancer and and then whipped in to have the baby out the next day and then within 10 days you're in chemotherapy and looking at all of that and that whole bubble of newborn that we often speak about and that whole process of bonding and I just remember in your book you'd speak about walking along Bondi Beach I think it was or down those eastern suburbs of Sydney and seeing all of these mums with their babies and having baby chinos and catching up and you're having to deal with cancer instead of really bonding with your baby yeah just the most intense thing to go through
0: It really, um, it really was. It really was very, and I think the, the the most confronting part, I think, is just that I didn't know how it was going to end. You know, and I think that was the worst part. It's like, you you could probably grin and bear it if you thought, okay, you know what, I'm going to get through this and it'll be fine, and the prognosis is pretty good. But I think the part that was the most like sickening to live with was that the prognosis was bad. And so I was like, uh, even after I do all of this treatment, you know, it, they still don't think it's going to be a, a good outcome. So like w- almost like, why would it, why am I doing this? And should I just not do the treatment and just spend this time with my baby while I can? And, you know, like you just kind of, you don't know, you're just in a world of, of, of a kind of questions that can't be answered. And I think that was one of the most gut wrenching parts was like, you know, Every day you're like, oh, it's autumn. Will I live to see another autumn? Oh my gosh, she's six months. Will I live to see her to get to a year? You know, like all those things. I think that are sickening to live with and sickening to endure, and and it, it tests your um, it tests your faith and it tests your how prepared you are and what you're prepared to do, I guess, to live. But I think that's also part of being a mum, right? Like you will fight to the end just for your child.
1: Yes. And that's what I really wanted to speak to you about. Of course, you know, you've you've had experiences that so many of us don't have, but I I I think what I really wanted to hear your insights f- about was this Never Stop Believing, that's the name of your book and it's really what you carried through all of that. I mean, when you look back now and you think that that's what you were thinking when Annabelle was six months old. Annabelle's now five, is that right? She's um, six. She's six now. So yeah. when you think back to that, what does that feel like now to to think now that those are the thoughts that you were thinking when she was just tiny?
0: Oh, it's so, um, it, it's twofold. One is sometimes... Um, I feel, I feel sad for the, that experience that I never got to have with her. I feel sad that that's something, not just for me, but for her. You know, that's something that I feel sad that she was robbed of. It's something that I feel, and I try all the time to let go of my guilt about it, because, you know, I, I in my head, I say all those, those things that, you know, like, what's well, not my fault, and I didn't, you know, sort of consciously, like you know, kind of abandon her when she was a baby. And you know, it's not like I can't do that, but I still carry a lot of guilt about that with her. And, um but I also am incredibly, it's so much more meaningful, I think. Like I, I look at her and I just think, and whenever anything happens, like her tooth came out last week and I was like, oh my God, I, I there was a time I, you know, wondered whether I'd live to see her first tooth come out, you know, let alone see her losing her teeth. So it, it's a reminder for me always that you literally, and that's why I called the book Never Stop Believing, because sometimes you just have to, you don't know what's going to happen, but you just have to use all, all of what you have and then some to just find the resilience to keep going, to just get up every day and keep doing it and just keep believing. You just have to keep believing. And it's hard because, you know, like, Chemo, and I spoke about this in the book, is so h- horrific. It's just mm. horrific, and it, no one's no one's making you go. No one says, "Oh, you have to turn up." It's you know, you have to, ch- you've got to choose. You've got to choose to go in there every day and have that needle shoved in your arm and go through the enduring, you know, days and weeks afterwards of horrific sickness because you want something. You want to live, but. No one's going to make you do it. And that's called resilience. That's when you just get up every day and you just keep going. You just keep chipping away at something in the hope that it will one day pass. It won't always be like this. You you know, I often say I would never actually as awful as that experience was. I kind of wouldn't take it back because I actually, I learned so much from it and and about myself. And I learned so much that I, no matter what I go through now, I go, well, I just take those same principles, just keep going. It's just, you just, one foot in front of the other, one day in front of the other and everything passes eventually, mm-hmm. you know, for better or worse. It just does because nothing ever remains the same. Nothing's good forever and nothing's bad forever. That's just how life is. It's just constantly changing. So, it's like, okay, just keep going and I, I always do it whether it's the business, whether it's work, whether it's like I'm having a shit time, you know, parenting or or, or in our marriage or whatever. It's like, well, it will pass. I just got to keep doing my bit, and that's the important bit. You've got to own the part—the part that's yours. And do you think that's what it was
1: that you've most learned through all of it—that you keep carrying—is that because when I think of what you've you've been through, it's the most perfect example that we never ever know what's right around the corner we can plan the most spectacular things in the world and then one phone call one lump one moment can change it all and I think it's this beautiful example and reminder that we only have this moment we only have what we have right in front of us at this moment and this is what we need to live the best we can
0: is that the way that you look at it Absolutely, absolutely. It's two things. One is like be grateful for every moment because you really don't know what tomorrow will bring. And you t- you turn on the news any night of the week, and there are people who the night before did not realize that their life would change mm. the, the next, the very next day. I mean, there are examples of it every single day all around us. So, you know, really, and it's, it can be hard. I get it to be grateful when times are tough, but you really have to try because you just don't know what's going to happen. The other part I think that I really learned too is just keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit anything. Don't like when I say don't quit anything, what I'm saying is so many times I wanted to quit that chemo. I was so sick from it. I, I would say to Marcus, I just don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do chemo anymore. I I I am on my knees. I almost would rather die than go to any more chemo. But I had to dig deep and go, Well, that's just not gonna work. You have to keep going. You just have to find some strength deep within you. And sometimes you don't have it. Sometimes it's you get that strength from other people. They'll give you some some love or encouragement. But at the end of the day, you have to do it, you know. So I really realized like for all the love and the encouragement and everything that my family was giving me, it was still only me who had to go to the chemo. I was the one who had to front up You've got to do the treatment. And it's like that in life, you know. It doesn't matter what it is, you have to basically be your own cheerleader. You're the one that has to cheer yourself on to do whatever it is that has to be done for you, Mm -hmm.
1: you know. And so fast forward through all of it and you are where you are now. Annabelle is now six. You have a beautiful second daughter who I saw you when – I saw you speak at an event just before December last year, before you were heading over to America to meet your beautiful new daughter through a surrogate in the United States because you couldn't have any more children naturally after the treatments that you've been through. What is motherhood like for you now, second time around and in such a different place? I really have, ever since I heard that you had another daughter, I thought I really can't wait to ask you what it's been like because not only... (laughs) are you this time not sick, which is an amazing miracle. But this time, yeah. this baby has come to you from a completely different way and it is a more of a miracle than ever. So how has this year been? Yeah, it's
0: um, it's amazing. But, you you know, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but the experience of having Alyssa, the virus, sorry get was a very long and very um a, a very long and very tough process it was mm. n- not easy by any stretch of the imagination. It was full of a lot of heartache along the way. We had a miscarriage at twelve weeks um we a, a couple of failed attempts um there was only we only had um you know four embryos so there was a lot of stuff happening There was the the tyranny of kind of distance and also costs and all these things. But I remember at one point saying to Marcus, "Like, oh, this is—it's so emotionally draining having, kind of, you know, kind of putting all this effort and, and time and money into something. I just don't know if it'll even work, you know." And I remember sort of thinking back, thinking to myself, "Well, this is kind of different, but the, but the lessons are the same as the, as kind of their cancer." It's like well I just have to keep going. You know, you've just got to put one foot in front of the other and just keep going and then it was a, it was a good kind of reminder and I did. That's just what we did. We were like, "Okay, let's just keep going. We'll keep going until there's no more going to do," you know? Mm-hmm. And it took 2 years um but eventually she was born and it was amazing and it has been a very different experience and it, and the whole birth was very different and and pregnancy period because I wasn't pregnant you know, it's kind of um, sometimes, you know, you forget. Like when you're carrying a child, you you very much feel it every single day. You know, you look in the mirror, you can see how you're, you, you know, you're carrying differently or you're holding or you're getting bigger or, you know, you feel the, um, if you've got morning sickness or whatever. Whereas this was like, you know, sometimes i would be like, oh, how's the baby? And i would be like, oh, Annab- oh, oh, yes, 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 the- yes, good, you know, because, it's a, you're you're a teeny bit removed from it, you know. Mm. Um, and so I wondered how I would feel about bonding, you know, because I was like, well, I'm 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 quite nervous. I don't know. I haven't carried this child. Yes, I know this is my child, but I haven't carried it. I haven't I haven't been there for the kicks and the and and for you know, you can have as many Facetime calls and and all of those and visits with the surrogate and all of those things. But still, at the end of the day, you know, that's kind of, you know, 10 months of not carrying a child, someone else would carry her for you. But um, it was incredible. It was an incredible birth. And and it's funny, it's sort of, um, in a way, I feel like it's more special. I love that it took so much effort and so many people and, and two families, you know, to bring her into the world. And I say to her all the time, you know, that's how much we loved you. We loved you so much before you were even born that, like, we we went literally to the end of the earth just to, 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 to bring you into our family. So it's been a very different experience. But once we kind of got back, it was, um, it's funny. Definitely in terms of for me, I definitely felt like I was trying to right my wrongs of Annabelle. You know, not that I did them wrong, but you know, like all the things that I felt like. Annabelle had missed, I really felt like I tried to correct them with mm, a letter. I can imagine, yes. And it's, and it's funny because you, what actually ends up happening is you just drive yourself into the ground <laughs> <laughs> because you, you know, I, I think maybe it was around the six months or seven months, month, I can't remember, when I was like, I really had, um, I was re- quite sick, I had this terrible ear infection, I had blood pouring out of my ear. And Marcus was just kind of said to me, he's like, babe, like, why won't you let anyone help you? Why won't you let us help you? Why won't you? Why are you? And I was like, no, because I have to like make good. And he was like, you, you have to let that go, you know. And it so like, kind of, it was. It was tough, but, you know, I did. And I it's been a real um, – I think having a litter has also helped me heal a bit from what I went through with Annabelle.
1: Oh, by the sound of it, absolutely. It oh. was that overcompensation of trying absolutely. to – Yes.
0: Completely.
1: And then we burn out anyway. Isn't that yeah. amazing? that listen. Totally. And then you're no good to
0: either child. No. I'm like, oh, no, this is just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> oh,
1: but, you know – I'm a huge fan and I share with a lot of the mamas that follow me the teachings of Kundalini Yoga. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but one of the key teachings that I've really embraced lately is the teaching of grit and grit, by the way it's described, is this perseverance in, the light, in light of very little <laughs> hope, it's keep showing up no matter what. They say in yeah. Kundalini Yoga, keep up, like keep going, keep up, even if it doesn't feel, even if it's hard, even if it's tough, like have faith, keep going. And I feel like, you know, your story and everything that you've been through with both of your daughters and how you've continued to build an amazing career I just think is just such a perfect example of grit. It's this even in the face of the hardest lessons in life you haven't yeah. given up and you've kept
0: going yep. going and i love that thank you thank you i think it's um i think it's important because life's just it's not always easy and things will come up that you don't expect and the only thing you can kind of rely on is your own um, is your own strength and your own perseverance. And that's not something anyone can give you. So you do have to find it within yourself because you're the one who has to do it. Mm.
1: So you're absolutely right. And so, how do you balance it now? I know that's you know the typical working mother question. <laughs> but
0: let's
1: <laughs> but let's just because you and I had a quick chat before we started recording, you yeah. you know you're a woman after my own heart we have our own dreams and our own ambitions but we also very much want to be there for our children and we also want to be there for our parents and all of that and we balance all of this and so you 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 have so many um balls in the air i guess is one way yeah. to describe it with your amazing website swish and the label that you have there so on a day-to-day on a day-to-day basis you have stared in the face, what it looks like to not look after yourself and to have your health so volatile. I would imagine that making sure that you are trying to get not only the balance of motherhood but yourself right would be paramount. So if you were to share something that you really prioritise now or the things that you do to make sure that you're never sick again, what do you do?
0: Um, I do. Just- I do a few things and I fail at things as well. Like oh, it's thank you of, for saying that. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, because it's sort of, um, I, I, I kind of go through periods. I'm like, yes, okay, I'm going to make sure that like I really look after me because if I'm no good, you know, if I'm not in great condition, then I'm no good for anyone. And I kind of that lasts for, you know, maybe like a couple of months and then I'm like make sure that everyone gets every last ounce of me and like I'm like the last person on the list and then you know, inevitably I'm like standing in the kitchen just going, oh my God, like no one speak to me. And then I'm like, how did I get to this point again? Remember, remember like two months ago when I was like, I'm going to prioritize me and I'm going to, you know, so it's a never ending battle simply because I think that's just the nature of being um, a woman and a mother. I do think it is just a struggle. And sometimes I think maybe it's easier when your your kids are older, perhaps. I don't know. Um not, yet. Mean, I, <laughs> not yeah, yet. Not yet. Not My right. oldest is it's 10. Like, I'm not there yet. Right. I'll let you okay. know. <laughs> maybe it's like when they're 30. I don't yes. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is so... Like, it's hard. But these I I try to do a few small things each day so it doesn't become a case of, hey, guys, mum needs to go away for six months so that Mm -hmm. I can try and, you know, come back in my best shape. So I'm like, okay, why don't I just do some small things every day? But this is what I do. I do literally, I try and get up, if I can, half an hour before the girls. So they generally are like between 6.30 and 7.00. So I try and get up at 6.00. And it's like thirty minutes, and I don't look at my emails, which is very hard, and I don't look at Instagram and I literally just make myself a cup of tea in the dark, and I will just sit there like i just i don't it's like my half an hour i don't have to do anything, and it's the challenge is for me not to go oh great i've got thirty minutes I have been meaning to get back to Amy about that podcast i'll quickly reply now while I've got time like it's like a I've set a rule of like no work in this time, no anything. I just sit there in the dark and just just have some quiet because I find from the minute they get up until I go to bed, it's input. Like everyone is at me for everything, whether it's, you know, whether I'm reading emails, that stuff is coming in, whether you read the paper, whether you read magazines, whether people are talking to you. It's just like there's so much input that I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need some silence and no one speaks to me. So if I find if I do that every day, I am much saner and I'm much better. I take my super green superfood powder every day so that I've got enough energy. I also scrape my tongue every day. It's so gross that I have a tongue scraper. And I honestly think that that is one of the biggest reasons why I feel well because wow. I it's, you know, like it's a first line of defense and it's closely lined in with like your gut and gut health. So between that and the green powder, I find they help me cope because I find if I'm not tired, I'm not grumpy. And that already is like I'm a step ahead. So that mm. makes a big difference. So that's pretty much it on a day-to-day basis. Once a month, I have half a Saturday off to myself if I can. I literally will be like Saturday morning, Marcus takes the girls to all of their like, gymnastics and swimming and whatever and I like just go I just go somewhere but the challenge again is still to like not use that time for work and I struggle and sometimes I cheat yes (laughs) or to not
1: Instagram your me time
0: (laughs) I'm like oh my god I just need to and usually I don't do anything that exciting and usually I can't last the full full amount of time it's Mm. so funny you you when you've got a lot happening you sort of dream about like, oh, I wish I could go on a cruise to like Iceland and just have a break and like, but then if you give yourself like two hours, inevitably you get to like an hour and a half and you're like, oh, do you know what? I've kind of, I've had my downtime now. I feel actually quite satisfied. I've had some silence. I've got a coffee. I drank it in peace. It was still hot. Mm. Oh my God, I miss my kids. I'm going back. You know, but at least you had that time and I do find that helps.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. So practical. And thank you for being so honest because I think that's the thing with us women in this time in our life is that we do make wonderful priorities and make wonderful decisions about what we need. And then it just slowly trickles away and trickles away until the red flag is sounded again. And nope, come on, everyone. We need to pull it all back into line. Mummy needs this and you need that. And so that's that's what balance is about. It's about rebalancing over and over. Sally. Thank you so much for taking That's time out.
0: Thank you for having me. I've loved
1: it. No, it's just the most beautiful story, and as I as I said earlier, such a great example of grit and belief. And thank you. I really love speaking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Happy Mama Movement. To make sure you never miss an insight, please subscribe to this podcast. And also pop on over to see the latest issue of the Happy Mama magazine at www.happymama.com.au.